This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kevin Kivico. Twenty Years After by Alexander Dumas. Chapter 78 The Battle of Charenton. As Athos and Aramis proceeded, and passed different companies on the road, they became aware that they were arriving near the field of battle. "'Ah, my friend,' cried Athos suddenly, "'where have you brought us? I fancy I perceive around us faces of different officers in the royal army. Is not that the Duc de Chantillon himself coming toward us with his brigadiers?' "'Good day, sirs,' said the duke, advancing. "'You are puzzled by what you see here, but one word will explain everything. "'There is now a truce and a conference. "'The prince, Monsieur de Retz, the Duc de Beaufort, and the Duc de Bouillon "'are talking over public affairs. "'Now one of two things must happen. "'Either matters will not be arranged, or they will be arranged, "'in which last case I shall be relieved of my command, "'and we shall still meet again. "'Sir,' said aramis you speak to the point allow me to ask you a question where are the plenipotentiaries at charenton in the second house on the right on entering from the direction of paris and was this conference arranged beforehand no gentlemen it seems to be the result of certain propositions which mazarin made last night to the parisians athos and aramis exchanged smiles for they well knew what those propositions were to whom they had been made and who had made them and that house in which the plenipotentiaries are asked athos belongs to to monsieur de chandelieu who commands your troops at charenton i say your troops for i presume that you gentlemen are frondeurs yes almost said aramis we are for the king and the princes added athos we must understand each other said the duke the king is with us and his generals are the duke of orleans and the prince de conde although i must add tis almost impossible now to know to which party any one belongs yes answered athos but his right place is in our ranks with the prince de conti de beaufort d'elbeuf and de bouillon but sir supposing that the conference is broken off are you going to try to take charenton such are my orders sir since you command the cavalry pardon me i am commander-in-chief so much the better you must know all your officers i mean those more distinguished why yes very nearly will you then kindly tell me if you have in your command the chevalier d'artagnan lieutenant in the musketeers no sir he is not with us he left paris more than six weeks ago and is believed to have gone on a mission to england i knew that but i supposed he had returned no sir no one has seen him i can answer positively on that front for the musketeers belong to our forces and m de cambon the substitute for m d'artagnan still holds his place the two friends looked at each other you see said athos it is strange said aramis it is absolutely certain that some misfortune has happened to them on the way if we have no news of them this evening to-morrow we must start athos nodded affirmatively then turning and m de bragelonne a young man fifteen years of age attached to the prince de conde has he the honor of being known to you diffident in allowing the sarcastic aramis to perceive how strong were his parental feelings yes surely he came with the prince a charming young man he is one of your friends then monsieur le comte yes sir answered athos agitated so much so that i wish to see him if possible 
"'Quite possible, sir. Do me the favor to accompany me, and I will conduct you to headquarters.' "'Hello there!' cried Aramis, turning round. "'What a noise behind us!' "'A body of cavaliers is coming toward us,' said Chatillon. "'I recognize the coadjutor by his frondest hat, "'and I, the Duc de Beaufort, by his white plume of ostrich feathers. "'They are coming, full gallop. The prince is with them. "'Ah, he is leaving them.' "'They are beating the rappel,' cried Chatillon. "'We must discover what is going on.' "'In fact, they saw the soldiers running to their arms, "'the trumpets sounded, the drums beat, "'the Duc de Beaufort drew his sword.' on his side the prince sounded a rappel and all the officers of the royalist army mingling momentarily with the parisian troops ran to him gentlemen cried chatillon the truce is broken that is evident they are going to fight go then into charenton for i shall begin in a short time there's a signal from the prince the coronet of a troop had in fact just raised the standard of the prince "'Farewell to the next time we meet,' cried Chatillon, and he set off full gallop. Athos and Aramis turned also and went to salute the coadjutor and the Duc de Beaufort. As to the Duc de Bouillon, he had such a fit of gout as obliged him to return to Paris in a litter, but his place was well filled by the Duc d'Elbeuf and his four sons, ranged round him like a staff. Meantime, between Charenton and the royal army, was left a space which looked ready to serve as a last resting place for the dead. Gentlemen, cried the coadjutor, tightening his sash, which he wore after the fashion of the ancient military prelates, over his archiepiscopal simar, there's the enemy approaching. Let us save them half their journey. And without caring whether he were followed or not, he set off his regiment, which bore the name of the regiment of Corinth, from the name of his archbishopric, darted after him and began the fight. Monsieur de Beaufort sent his cavalry toward Etang, and Monsieur de Chanleu, who defended the place, was ready to resist an assault, or if the enemy were repulsed, to attempt a sortie. The battle soon became general, and the coadjutor performed miracles of valor. His proper vocation had always been the sword, and he was delighted whenever he could draw it from the scabbard, no matter for whom or against whom. Chandler, whose fire at one time repulsed the royal regiment, thought that the moment was come to pursue it, but it was reformed and led again to the charge by the Duc de Chatillon in person. This charge was so fierce, so skillfully conducted, that Chandler was almost surrounded. He commanded a retreat, which began step by step, foot by foot. Unhappily, in an instant he fell, mortally wounded. De Chatillon saw him fall, and announced it in a loud voice to his men, which raised their spirits and completely disheartened their enemies, so that every man thought only of his own safety and tried to gain the trenches where the coadjutor was trying to reform his disorganized regiment. Suddenly a squadron of cavalry galloped up to encounter the royal troops who were entering pell-mell the entrenchments with the fugitives. Athos and Aramis charged at the head of their squadrons, Aramis with sword and pistol in his hands, Athos with his sword in his scabbard, his pistol in his saddlebags, calm and cool, as if on the parade, except that his noble and beautiful countenance became sad as he saw slaughtered so many men who were sacrificed on the one side to the obstinacy of royalty and on the other to the personal rancor of the princes aramis on the contrary struck right and left and was almost delirious with excitement his bright eyes kindled and his mouth so finely formed assumed a wicked smile every blow he aimed was sure and his pistol finished the deed annihilated the wounded wretch who tried to rise again 
On the opposite side, two cavaliers, one covered with a gilt cuirass, the other wearing simply a buff doublet, from which fell the sleeves of a vest of blue velvet, charged in front. The cavalier in the gilt cuirass fell upon Aramis, and struck a blow that Aramis parried with his wanted skill. "'Ah, tis you, Monsieur de Chatillon,' cried the chevalier. "'Welcome to you. I expected you.' "'I hope I have not made you wait too long, sir,' said the duke. "'At all events, here I am.' "'Monsieur de Chatillon,' cried Aramis, taking from his saddlebags a second pistol, "'I think if your pistols have been discharged, you are a dead man.' "'Thank God, sir, they are not.' And the duke, pointing his pistol at Aramis, fired. But Aramis bent his head the instant he saw the duke's finger press the trigger, and the ball passed without touching him. "'Oh, you've missed me!' cried Aramis. "'But I swear to heaven I will not miss you!' "'If I give you time,' cried the duke, spurring on his horse and rushing upon him with his drawn sword. Aramis awaited him with that terrible smile which was peculiar to him on such occasions, and Athos, who saw the duke advancing toward Aramis with the rapidity of lightning, was just going to cry out, "'Fire! Fire, then!' when the shot was fired." de chatillon opened his arms and fell back on the crupper of his horse the ball had entered his breast through a notch in the cuirass i am a dead man he said and fell from his horse to the ground i told you this i am now grieved i have kept my word can i be of any use to you chatillon made a sign with his hand and Aramis was about to dismount when he received a violent shock. T'was a thrust from a sword, but his cuirass turned aside the blow. He turned around and seized his new antagonist by the wrist, when he started back, exclaiming, Raoul! Raoul! cried Athos. The young man recognized at the same instant the voices of his father and the Chevalier d'Herblay. Two officers in the Parisian forces rushed at that instant on Raoul, but Aramis protected him with his sword. My prisoner! he cried. Athos took his son's horse by the bridle and led him forth out of the melee. At this crisis of the battle, the prince, who had been seconding de Chatillon in the second line, appeared in the midst of the fight. His eagle eye made him known, and his blows proclaimed the hero. On seeing him, the regiment of Corinth, which the coadjutor had not been able to reorganize in spite of all his efforts, threw itself into the midst of the Parisian forces, put them into confusion, and re-entered Charenton flying. The coadjutor, dragged along with his fugitive forces, passed near the group formed by Athos, Raoul, and Aramis. Aramis could not in his jealousy avoid being pleased at the coadjutor's misfortune, and was about to utter some bon mot more witty than correct when Athos stopped him. "'On, on!' he cried. "'This is no moment for compliments, or rather, back, for the battle seems to be lost by the frondeurs.' "'It is a matter of indifference to me,' said Aramis. "'I came here only to meet de Chatillon. I have met him. I am contented. "'Tis something to have met de Chatillon in a duel.' "'And besides, we have a prisoner,' said Athos, pointing to Raoul. The three cavaliers continued their road on full gallop. "'What were you doing in the battle, my friend?' inquired Athos of the youth. "'Twas not your right place, I think, as you were not equipped for an engagement.' "'I had no intention of fighting today, sir. I was charged, indeed, with a mission to the cardinal, and had set out for Rouille when, seeing Monsieur de Chatillon charge, an invincible desire possessed me to charge at his side.' It was then that he told me two cavaliers of the Parisian army were seeking me and named the Comte de la Fere. What? You knew we were there and yet wished to kill your friend the Chevalier? 
"'I did not recognize the chevalier in armor, sir,' said Raoul, blushing, "'though I might have known him by his skill and coolness in danger.' "'Thank you for the compliment, my young friend,' replied Aramis. "'We can see from whom you learned courtesy. "'Then you were going to Rueil? "'Yes, I have a dispatch from the prince to his eminence.' "'You must still deliver it,' said Athos. "'No false generosity, Count. "'The fate of our friends, to say nothing of our own, "'is perhaps in that very dispatch.' "'This young man must not, however, fail in his duty,' said Athos. "'In the first place, Count, this youth is our prisoner. "'You seem to forget that. "'What I propose to do is fair in war. "'The vanquished must not be dainty in the choice of means. "'Give me the dispatch, Raoul.' The young man hesitated and looked at Athos as if seeking to read in his eyes a rule of conduct. "'Give him the dispatch, Raoul. "'You are the chevalier's prisoner.' Raoul gave it up reluctantly. Aramis instantly seized it and read it you he said you who are so trusting read and reflect that there is something in this letter important for us to see athos took the letter frowning but an idea that he should find something in this letter about d'artagnan conquered his unwillingness to read it my lord i send this evening to your eminence in order to reinforce the troop of monsieur de comminges the ten men you demand they are good soldiers fit to confront the two violent adversaries whose address and resolution your eminence is fearful of. Oh, cried Athos. Well, said Aramis, what think you about these two enemies whom it requires besides Comines' troops? Ten good soldiers to confront. Are they not as like as two drops of water to D'Artagnan and Porthos? We'll search Paris all day long, said Athos, and if we have no news this evening, we will return to the road to Picardy and I feel no doubt that, thanks to D'Artagnan's ready invention, we shall then find some clue which will solve our doubts. Yes, let us search Paris, and especially inquire of Planchet if he has yet heard from his former master. That poor Planchet! You speak of him very much at your ease, Aramis. He has probably been killed. All those fighting citizens went out to battle, and they have been massacred." It was then, with a sentiment of uneasiness whether Planchet, who alone could give them information, was alive or dead, that the friends returned to the Place Royale. To their great surprise, they found the citizens still encamped there, drinking and bantering each other, although doubtless mourned by their families, who thought they were at Charenton in the thickest of the fighting. Athos and Aramis again questioned Planchet, but he had seen nothing of D'Artagnan. They wished to take Planchet with them but he could not leave his troop, who at five o'clock returned home, saying that they were returning from the battle, whereas they had never lost sight of the bronze equestrian statue of Louis the Thirteenth. End of chapter 78